commitment to bring you not only rock and roll music that deserves to be heard, but also conversations with the talented musicians creating the music. Today, we are joined by guitarist Brad Gillis, whose band Night Ranger has just released their 12th or 13th studio album. Thank you for joining us, Brad. Oh, my pleasure, Ralph. Thanks for having me, my friend. Oh, my pleasure. It's great to talk to you. Pretty excited about the new record. Uh, and I don't know if you guys are referring to it as the title, ATBPO, or as the band played on. Well, you know, Jack kind of announces both when we play live because we're actually throwing a couple of these new songs into our set. We like to do that uh, after we release a record just to get people familiar with our latest release. So, you know, we weren't sure which song to release as the first single. So we threw the whole record back to Frontiers Records out of Italy and got their opinion on it. And they came back saying, hey, we think that Breakout, you know, de most defines night the Night Ranger sound. Uh, you know, it had all the elements that we were known for, which, you know, twin guitar harmonies and the separate solos and, right. you know, Jack, you know, Jack was singing his butt off. And uh, the only thing was a little different instead of having that three part Night Ranger chorus, uh, we have more of a gang vocal. Everybody's singing Breakout. So uh, they the record company chose it. Uh, we went with it. The uh, YouTube videos kicking butt, uh, a good couple hundred thousand views on it. And we just started playing it live in the set, Ralph. Uh, we've done it about five or six times now, and it's been coming across real well. Well, that's great, because I know a lot of times uh, bands that have had a career like yours that has been around a while are hesitant to put new music in, feeling that maybe it's not going to be listened to in the show. So I'm glad you're getting a good response to it. Yes, it's been a great response, according to all the interviews i've been doing around the world basically uh the japanese are bringing us back over to do three shows in tokyo osaka nagoya Fukuoka, wherever they put us but uh the response has been great there uh, a lot of great magazines and people over in europe uh, with great reviews and you know we ended up hitting a few good rock charts around the world and doing real well so um i think uh you know us being able to have the luxury of taking our time doing this record during this COVID situation really panned out for the best uh, of our concerns because around September of last year, uh, you know, sitting around basically doing nothing, we had a few conversations talking about doing a record. So we got some ideas together and Jack and Kelly and I started having zoom calls and going over, you know, arrangements on the, on the best 12 out of the 15 or 16 that we came up with. And then, you know, once we knew the arrangements, Kelly Kagi, our drummer, went into a local studio around us where he lives in uh, the Phoenix, Arizona area and cut those drums and put, you know, a rough bass, rough guitar on it. And then everybody having the luxury of home studios, we were able to pass these files around and everybody just kind of did their thing and passed it on to the next guy. And, right. You know, Zoom calls and phone calls with Kerry Kelly, my other guitar player. We were able to come up with these harmony ideas and who's playing what, who's playing where and you know, Jack getting together with Kelly and different vocals, trading off things. And, and like I said, we had the luxury of time. You know, I'd, you know, back in the eighties, you would go in the studio and you'd be allotted like a half hour to go in and do your solo, you know? Right. And of course, Jeff, Jeff Watson and me, the original guitar player, Jeff Watson and me, we, uh, we would, you know, figure out what we're going to do before we went in the studio, of course. So we went in there, we weren't, you know, blind on anything and kind of sure. had a rough format, but, in this day and age and what we went through to record uh, and the band plays on our new CD, 
you know, I was able to come up with ideas on one night and just throw something down, you know, later at night. I, I kind of get into my stuff later at night because I'm kind of a night guy playing in a rock band. Right. And then I would, uh, you know, sit on it and sleep on it and wake up the next day and check it out and, and see if I wanted to change anything or redo it. And, and it was it was fun to be able to have that luxury. Uh, and, there, you know, the time, there was no finished time factor involved because it was still a heavy COVID situation and we weren't going to go anywhere anyway. So it took us about four or five months, all said and done. And we passed all the files along to our buddy, Anthony Fox, who mixes a lot of people's records and uh, threw him everything. He put it all together. And, uh, uh, you know, just the uh, input we had, you know, as far as mixing and what goes where. And right. we ended up putting out this record just uh, about two months ago or so. Right, right. How, how was that for you, for you guys? I mean, you know, everybody being in one room recording versus everybody's alone recording. What Was that uh, strange for you? Well, yeah, Ralph, I got to tell you, this has never happened with this band before, but we just could not get together. We're talking the start of this year, you know, going to September, October, and then the start of the year when we got heavily into it, and there was no way we could really get together. So, right. um, uh, which was a strange situation to begin with, but we tried to make the best of it. And uh, like I said, having the luxury of time, we were able to put, you know, get the best performances possible out of each individual player in the band. Right. And thank God for Pro Tools, right? Yeah, you know, it's so easy just to pass files around and just bring it up and, uh, you know, do your thing and pass along. So, uh, you know, me being a vintage guitar and amp collector, um, I was able to use some of my, you know, different guitars on this record. Uh, I had a, you know, uh, a 50s, I, I bought this 1957 Fender Stratocaster that I purchased up in Anchorage, Alaska, about five years ago, when we did a show up there, bought it from some guy that had one for sale and brought that home. So I used that on like a Can't Afford a Hero, the, one of the ballads on the new record. Uh -huh. And so I played that 57 Strat through a 1965 Fender Deluxe Reverb Blackface amp. And that was awesome because that was that classic tone that so many bands used back in the 60s and, you know, 50s and 60s and 70s so uh being able to trade up on different guitars and tone was, was kind of awesome fun and and uh uh you know uh there's as long as see the continuity is there on with everybody playing and and it sounds like a record that was recorded in the, in the studio all together uh we were happy with what happened because we never got together Right. Yeah, no, it sounds great. I mean, everything's there. All the elements that you expect in a Night Ranger record are there. Kelly's drums are slamming. Your guitars sound great. Vocals sound great. I mean, yeah, you'd never know it was recorded, you know, piecemeal, everybody on their own. It sounds it sounds really, really, really good. Yeah, we were, we were very happy with the outcome. Yeah, yeah, that's good. How, how'd you guys come up with this uh, title for the album? Well, being stuck in a COVID situation and the band played on, you know, we were able to go on and do a record. So we thought it was fairly apropos for the, uh, you know, the task at hand and the situation of the world. So, and we just played on, we recorded a record, you know, um, uh, we weren't able to gig, but we just started up here just a little while back. And, uh, you know, of course, everybody vaccinated, no more meet and greets. Uh, we've been able to go out and do some great shows the past few months. We did the big M3 festival out in the Baltimore area, which is a big three-day festival. We headlined the third night, which was 4th of July. That was awesome. We ended up doing rock fests, summer fests, 
you know, these multiple day, multiple band gigs that are, that are happening around the country. And, uh, you know, we got, uh, monsters on the mountain coming up in the Tennessee area with, oh, with a bunch in, of bands and other, another three day festival. Yeah. Yes. That's in pigeon forge, I think. Right. Exactly. Yes. So we got that coming up and we have the kiss cruise coming up, Ralph. It's our second one with kiss. Nice. So hopefully that'll be safe. And that is right around the, um, uh, Halloween end of October timeframe. And, uh, you know, next year, you know, Swedish rock festival opening for guns and roses and, and a few more European shows and going back to Japan and, and wherever the, uh, wherever the gigs lead us. So we're looking forward to a healthy, safe 2022, which will also be our 40 year anniversary. That's right. 1982. It all began for you, right? Yes, sir. And your your near uh, your next gig is in uh, my home state, Illinois, in Columbia, Illinois, um, and that's on yes. to, on uh, the eighteenth, so just a couple of days away from the day we're talking here. So, uh, Chicago yeah. peeps, that might be a chance for you to go check them out, but you'll probably get to Chicago later. But <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, you know, shows are being booked right now, um, uh, and you know, a lot of shows have been canceled and and postponed until 2022 so right uh we still have a fairly busy schedule as of now and you know it's good to be out working and playing because we miss playing live as much as the audience misses going to concerts so we uh we threw through breakout into the set we've been playing that probably five or six times that's been getting a great reaction and we've been uh, uh working on um uh, bring it all home to me another single off our new record and been doing that as sound check so we'll probably throw that into the set here real soon too we usually throw a few of them uh, for the new record whenever we release one and uh and you know it's been getting great response from everybody and you know uh to play something new live is always awesome for any band because you know uh playing the same songs for 40 years uh that could get a little old but not really because there's nothing wrong with whole audience singing along with Sister Christian, that's for sure. Right, right. Yeah, I've seen Kelly. Um, he's he's participated in a thing in Chicago that uh, Jim Peterick puts together, the World Stage, and sure. the ones that he's appeared at, uh, it's it's the same thing. He he breaks out Sister Christian, and the whole place is going crazy singing it. Yeah, you can't beat that. I remember when uh, we first came out. Uh, we released late 1982 with the, uh, with Don't Tell Me You Love Me, and that's right when the little old MTV came out, you know? Right. 24-7, music videos every day. So we went in and did a video for Don't Tell Me You Love Me and submitted it to MTV, and they loved it, but they didn't have enough content to fill 24-7. So they probably played our video 25, 30 times a day. Nice. which was awesome awesome <laughs> because everybody loved mtv when it came out and put a face to the band and uh kind of really uh jump-started our initial career with night ranger and then you know and we then we really sing me away after that off the first record and which did okay but then we went right in and cut our second record midnight madness and then we went in and did a video and had the release for uh you can still rock in america and that was huge on mtv did real well really kind of put us in a 
uh, a, a, I don't uh, you know, a, a midline touring situation where if there'd be three bands, we'd be the middle band, you know, right. kind of thing. Right. And then, uh, you know, the record company said, well, you know, it's time to release this ballad. And we knew it was going to be, a, everybody knew it was going to be a hit. So they put out Sister Christian and it just went crazy on the radio, MTV, everywhere. Everybody was playing it. And, you know, at that point, we were touring with a bunch of big bands, but it got to the point where that song was so big that they uh, came to us and said, hey, it's about time you do, you guys start headlining. So we put together a headline stage and got together, you know, crew, big crew and buses and everything, you know, incorporated into a headline tour. And I remember going on the road, I think it was late 83, early 84, going into La Crosse, Wisconsin for our first headline show. And there it was on the marquee, Night Ranger sold out tonight. I think it was like 6,000 people at their Coliseum there. Right. And that started a great run for us all through the 80s headlining. Yeah, yeah, that that's an awesome story. And, and you talk about... Um, you can still rock in America. Uh, that song, at least on the local Chicago radio stations at the time, that was almost like MTV. Maybe not twenty-five times a day, but every couple of hours, you were definitely hearing that yeah. on the radio. Sure, yeah, we've been uh, lucky back then, back in the day, that radio really embraced us for our uh, the bigger hits we had, and you know, um, it sustained our career for forty years. And of course, next year, twenty twenty-two, our forty-year anniversary, and we'll be touting that. Sure. Uh, and maybe throwing some new old B cuts in there to kind of changing things up. Who knows what we'll do? But, you know, uh, the whole 40 year merchandise and everything entailed with the, it's, uh, such a pinnacle in our career. Um, but, you know, I'm just glad to still be out there working Ralph and, and, and playing rock and roll. I decided to do this when I was got my first guitar when I was eight years old. And, you know, you already had a that. band when you were 10, didn't you? Yeah, I had my first band called The Invaders when I was 10 years old, and uh, I ended up learning fairly quick because my brother, who was seven years older than me at the time, had a friend that came over that was in a band, and he said, Brad, you know, why are you taking lessons learning, you know, Mary Had a Little Lamb on your guitar? He says, you know, all these chords. He goes, just listen to the radio, learn by ear, figure out where the one main chorus chord, the main, the key that the song is in, and you know all the chords. And back then, Ralph, songs were easy to play, easier to play. They stuck to the main guitar chords. Right. And this is when I grew up in the late 60s and such. And and uh, so I just started listening to the radio. And my, my brother had every record imaginable from the late 60s. You know, Jimi Hendrix, The Doors, and Big Brother and the Holding Company with Janis Joplin and Santana. And, you know, the big Led Zeppelin, all the biggest, baddest, coolest records right. he had. So... He would go out every night. My brother was an electronics guy, and he built me this little box with a guitar preamp built in it. Took the outs of the of the turntable, went into this box with a preamp that went into a headphone jack that I'd plug into the box and plug my guitar into the box. And he'd go out every night, and I'd sit in his room and put the headphones on and all these records and just learn how to play by ear. I did that for a couple of years. That's all I did. You know, sitting in his room and sitting in my room and playing the records and just, you know, my parents is like, you know, oh, is that all you gotta do is play rock and roll. My dad's like, you gotta have something to fall back on, right? <laughs> Remember that, that twisted that twisted sister video? I just want to rock. The kid says to his dad, you know, right, well, right. Me, that was me to my dad. I just want to rock, <laughs> and I'll never forget when I when I got with Ozzy, came and 
you know, I played the Oakland Coliseum, my hometown next to Alameda, California, where I grew up. And, and, uh, my dad is like, you know, my dad is like, Oh my gosh, he's playing the Oakland Coliseum. And, you know, it's like, that's when they finally realized that I was doing fairly well. And, you know, that's when they embraced me and everything I was doing and, and knew I was, you know, set on a, a great career. And I remember my dad going, Hey, I'm having a little barbecue. You think Ozzy and Ozzy and Sharon want to come over for the barbecue? It's like, well, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, you know, they they didn't show up anyway. But uh, but yeah, it's they, been a great career route, and uh, yeah. and uh, the whole Aussie thing was pretty heavy and going through that. But you know, that just led on to the Night Ranger getting our record deal, and of course, towards the end of the Aussie uh, stint, you know, five six months or however long I was with them, uh, you know, Rudy left at the end to go with Quiet Riot. They got their record deal. Boom, came out with you know all their great hits and. Right. And I left Ozzy go with Night Ranger and, you know, started out with Don't Tell Me Love Me and MTV and it catapulted our career. Now, now Night Ranger obviously, you know, came right after your time in, in Ozzy. But had you known the other guys already or did you guys meet after um, your Ozzy stint? Oh, the Night Ranger guys? Yeah. Oh, no, we had Jack and I had played together in a band called Rubicon. That was the late 70s. We had two records out, had a semi hit on the radio. But we played the Cal Jam 2, March 18th, 1978, the biggest day of my rock and roll life. 250,000 people at the Ontario Motor Speedway with Aerosmith, Ted Nugent, Hart, Santana, Dave Mason. Oh, it's just huge. Wow. We were the only unknown unknown band on that bill. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's when I started playing with Jack. This is, uh, you know, the later 70s. Gotcha. And then towards the end of that, Ben didn't do too well towards the end of that. I had known Kelly from the Bay Area, and uh, so we got Kelly in the very end of Rubicon, and that ended up not working out, so Jack, Kelly, and I kind of stayed together, and that's when we got together in late 79, early 1980, and got Alan Fitzgerald, the original keyboard player, and Jeff Watson, the other guitar player in the band, right. and we started doing demos right around 1980. That's when we started doing demos. We were known as Ranger back we picked names out of a hat and that's what we picked up. <laughs> Got so there it. we were Got it. Ranger, you know, we didn't want to play out live. Nobody knew who we were, but we knew we had a good product in the works. And, uh, then I ended up in 1981, uh, while we were starting to shop the night Ranger deal. I saw Ozzy play with Randy at the day in the green at the Oakland Coliseum stadium. And that's when I got, you know, plus hearing them on the radio, but seeing them live and right. just blown away. And, so I put together a band called the Alameda All-Stars to keep myself busy because Night Ranger didn't want to play out. Nobody knew who we were. We just wanted to get a record deal and come out with a bang. So gotcha. that's when I started playing Aussie songs and someone saw me playing after the tragic death of Randy. And uh, that led to the audition, uh, going to New York and auditioning for Aussie. And that's that's a whole other story, boy. That, that was a crazy time. Um, but, uh, you know, then... Uh, like I said, Rudy left to go with Quiet Riot, and I left to go with Night Ranger. And then October 15, 1982, the Night Ranger deal was done. The Speak of the Devil record with Ozzy was done, and they were both released the same week. Really? I did October not remember 15th. that. That was the same week? Yeah. Wow. Same week. In <laughs> fact, the Album Network, which was the trade radio magazine that went out to all the radio stations, mm -hmm. had uh, the picks of the week at the very bottom. They had two two albums that were picks of the week. And sure enough, uh, 
Honestly, speak of the devil, Night Ranger Dawn Patrol were the picks of the week. So that, that, I was flying high then. Wow. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and that uh, just led to us, you know, coming out in 83 with a bang and, and touring with, you know, ZZ Tops and, and we toured with Kiss and, and all these big bands and uh, pretty much uh, we never had a, you know, once I joined Ozzy, I went right into Night Ranger kicking butt all over the all over the world and then we went to Japan and man, they just totally embraced us. We're at the point we uh we played two Budokans uh, wow. at one point and uh uh you know which was a great uh, great for us, you know, to be in that same you know, scene that Cheap Trick was in for their big great live record. But uh yeah, so it's been a great career and uh, forty years next year. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. And aside from um Night Ranger, you also I understand you're working on a lot of uh composing for tv programs yeah i've been doing that for about 20 years um started out doing uh, a couple tiger woods videos for ea electronic arts i did all the music for two tiger woods playstation games and that led into meeting guys over at espn i shot them up probably a few hundred songs in 20 years uh and i ended up getting not only espn sports center where they play my music background music basically it's music beds it's rock and roll music beds that they that they commentate over mm-hmm. so then then i ended up uh flowing over to uh monday night football heard a bunch of my stuff on that and then i got into uh you know uh fox sports and landed a couple of songs of my from my solo record gil rock ranch and the don't tell mom the babysitter's dead movie you know and then uh, you know, it just led into all these other placements and I would right. put a flamenco track and the price is right and stuff like that. So that's, that's kind of a side gig I got going on at home, but. And you're still I'm currently, so still currently doing that. Yeah, but it's been a little slow lately cause I've been touring. It's kind of hard, you know, be doing all this stuff and recording new material when I'm, when I'm touring and I'm, sure. and I'm building a new home studio, Ralph. I got construction people here, soundproofing this big room. I'm going to put my big studio down there and nice. I got so much going on right now. And, uh, but it's good. Staying busy is a healthy thing. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And it keeps you young. All right. Well, yes. um, that is all great. And if I could just ask you too, you mentioned, um, and I know I've read this about you over the years too, about your guitar collecting. So what do you, what do you collect more of old Gibsons or old fenders? Well, I collect whatever is readily available. That's in that I, you know, that's in my price range. Not that there's a range that I'll, you know, won't pay, but you know, I don't pay retail for anything. Uh, There's no reason to. So I try to go through friends and stuff and wheeler dealers and guitar, uh, you know, guys at brokers and, uh, you know, they call me when there's a fairly good deal going on, but I just picked up a 1952, uh, Gibson Les Paul gold top first year, absolutely gorgeous guitar that, uh, I bought through a, a, a record store here that was kind of going under. So they got a good deal on that. And that was the first year. There's not even a serial number on it because it was the first year for these gold tops. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and I, you know, I have a lot of old 50 strats, and then some more eclectic ones like the like the Fender uh, Telecaster Pink Paisley and Blue Floral guitars, which I only made in 68 and 69. I got one of each of those. But then, you know, uh, you know, the old uh, <clears throat> pre-1969 Brazilian Rosewood D28s and guitars like that that are just 
fabulous, play wonderful. And, you know, then more eclectic things. I've been working a lot with a buddy of mine who's been making aluminum guitars. His name's Peter Kellett. And uh, he's been doing these aluminum guitars where each guitar is dipped into different colorization process of anodized aluminum. And he gets some amazing artwork on these guitars. So I've been building these up, helping him trying to promote those. And, uh, you know, it's just, I just keep my busy, do, keep busy doing uh, all these, these, these fun things. And, and, uh, I've always been into guitars and amps and, uh, you know, and I used, you know, quite a few different combinations for the new record and, uh, just to, you know, step out and do something a little different, but, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm waiting for a call back from a buddy of mine that has a line on a, you know, a 68 black Les Paul custom gold plated. Those are awesome. And, you know, just uh, one of my little side gigs. <laughs> and a fun one at that. And I assume a lot of yes. those are keep them in the studio, keep them home guitars. You don't travel with that many of those, I would imagine. No, none of my vintage guitars go on the road. Uh, there are certain guitars I play on the road, which are copies of my original 62 Red Strat that I've had forever. But these are exact replicas that my buddy Jim Cara makes. Uh, he builds all the Gene Simmons, you know, bases and stuff that they sell at Kiss shows and stuff. So he's been building exact replicas of my, uh, my main red 62 Strat. And then back in the day, 85 Fernandez came out with, uh, red guitars with black necks, uh, copies of my original back then. And they made about a hundred of them. And I got a few of those, the first few that were ever made that are, made very well and i i set them all up with this exact same pickups i'm using built-in wireless systems i always built the wireless systems inside the guitar uh put a little cavity in there for my sure wireless system so you'll never see me with a cord playing live because the wireless is built into the body and then i always find original floyd rose non-fine tuner bridges that they only made that floyd only made about 25 in his garage back in the day then they started summing out to uh the Germans and then Japanese have started making copies of it. Then, then after that, they went to the fine tuner Floyd roses, which uh, I'm not into. They don't react the same. So, um, so all my guitars I play live are all set up the same, uh, same pickups mainly and, uh, original Floyd's with built in wireless. Nice. Nice. All right. Well, thanks for the tour through your, uh, through your stuff there. <laughs> All right. My pleasure, Ralph. And, and before uh, before we part, I also uh, made a note for myself that uh, your bandmate Kelly, today is his birthday, so I think we should wish him yes. a happy birthday. <laughs> yeah, happy birthday, Kelly. Yeah, we've been all calling and texting each other, the whole band and crew, and uh, we got a great uh, got a great crew and the band, everybody, you know, it's you got to get along with these people you spend a lot of time working with. And we've had the same guys for quite a few years and, and it's just a great group of guys and, uh, that make the crew that makes the show happen and the band that, you know, all get along and, 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 uh, especially when we're touring and try to keep each other in a good mood and cracking jokes and just goofing off and, and, uh, enjoying life uh, 40 years later with this band. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I hope that, the remaining COVID problems we're having are completely out of the way next year for your 40th. And you guys can uh, go out quite a bit and do a lot of shows to celebrate sure. that achievement. <laughs> yes. And we need the audience to come out too, because everybody's waiting, you know, we can see it in the shows that we've done that, you know, everybody's excited to get out and see live music and go to baseball games and football games. And, you know, oh, yeah. it's just, it's the American, American way of life, you know? So uh, we're glad to be part of bringing uh 
fun back together uh, around the around the world. You're spreading the joy, my friend. Spreading the joy. Yes, uh, sir, Ralph. All right. So at the end of this, um, Brad, before I let you go, I just want to ask you. Um, I'm going to add. Uh, at the end of this interview, I'm going to add the latest single, Bring It All Home to Me. But what what other song would you like to pick from this record that I should add to this interview? Well, I think one of my favorite songs on the record, which is a ballad, but I seem to just love it immensely, is Can't Afford a Hero. And Jack wrote great lyrics on the song. I'm using my 57 strap through a 65 Fender Deluxe Reverb amp and on the intro and for the solo. And it's one of my favorite songs on the record. Perfect. Can't afford a hero. Perfect. Then we will add that to this interview too. Your, your pick will be there. All right. Well, you thank you, uh, Brad, so much for your time today. It was really, really a pleasure talking with you and, if you're in Columbia, Illinois, go out and check out Night Ranger Live on September 18th. And uh, September 24th, you guys up in Minnesota will have a chance to check out Night Ranger at the Iron Trail Motors Event Center. Um, so glad you guys are able to get out there and do some shows. That's awesome. And I wish you the best with ATBPO. And I'm glad that the band is playing on. And it was really a pleasure to talk to you, Brad. Yeah, well, thank you for having me, Ralph. Yeah, we're going to be out there somewhere in your area. So, uh, you know, come and see us. We still put 110% into our shows and glad to be still out there doing our thing that we love to do the best. So uh, thank you for having me, Ralph. My pleasure. Thank you, Brad. Take care. So that was my conversation with Brad Gillis the other day. And as you heard us say in the interview, we're going to wrap this up now with a couple of songs. From their brand new record, ATBPO, and the band played on. So we're going to play the latest single first, Bring It All Home to Me, followed by Brad's pick. You heard Brad pick his current favorite from the record, Can't Afford a Hero. So we're going to follow up, Bring It All Home to Me with Can't Afford a Hero. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Brad Gillis. I certainly did. Check out the new Night Ranger album, available everywhere. And check out a couple of tracks right now. Thanks for taking a listen. She makes her own life lonely. She doesn't know what to do. She's gonna drive herself crazy. Better me than you. She likes to get up when the sun
When you're lost and lonely and there doesn't seem to be a plan to get yourself back up again. You've tried everything you say, laid awake at night and prayed for the right to shine on you again. When you can't afford a hero You can try your luck with me When you can't afford a hero Just close your eyes and let it be Cause the hero find a train Every window has a pain Every heart can still remain complete And every dog will have his day It doesn't matter anyway When you feel there's nothing left to see When you can't afford a hero If she had 